We're in our Be Your Bringer series, and this is one of my favorite series of the year. We just talk practical things. We talk about family, we talk about friends, and next week we talk about coworkers, classmates. I love the series because it's just so practical. You spend so much of your time with family, your world of friends and work, and sometimes when you come to church, people can talk about Greek and Hebrew and all kinds of different things. And don't all, you know, there's times people could go, you know, for months or years and not really talk about the practical things that you deal with every day. And so I loved our, I loved our conversation, our message, our sermon last week on family. If you've not had a chance to listen to it, go to our app, uh, check out the podcast, listen to it on YouTube, find a way to listen to the message last week on family. Uh, How many of you just by show of hands, you were able either in person or online, you were able to hear the message on family? Uh, last week. How many feels like yours is the most dysfunctional family? Uh, Just kidding. I actually had one of you, uh, I had a guy that told me this week that his wife apologized for the first time ever in their marriage. First time ever in their marriage is his wife apologized. Uh, She told him that she was was sorry she ever married him. Um, That's not funny. And families can get competitive. Uh, Angel and I, Angel and I, that's my wife, we often laugh about how competitive we are, but I laugh more. Uh, (laughs) Stop. That's not funny. Today we're going to talk about friends. Everyone say friends. They say that no man is a failure who has friends. No man is a failure who has friends. Whether or not it's, it's, a friend that you've invited today, or maybe your spouse is a friend, maybe you're sitting in a row with someone who you're on a serve team with and they're your friend, uh, I, I would like you just to, maybe even right now, just, just take the time to look at them and just tell them that we'll be friends till we're old and senile. And then we'll be new friends. <laughs> Everyone say friends. I heard about the brunette that was visiting her blonde friend. We're talking about friends. A brunette was visiting her blonde friend who had acquired two new dogs. And so the brunette asked the blonde what what the dog's names were. The blonde responded uh, by saying that one was named Rolex and one was named, named Timex. And the brunette friend said, who ever heard of someone naming dogs like that? And the blonde answered, hello, they're watchdogs. Uh... (laughs) Stop, Micah. (laughs) Gallup organization director Tom Rath, when we talk about the importance of friends, he says this, that statistics say, statistics say, if your best friend eats healthily, you are five times more likely to have a healthy diet yourself. Studies show Tom Rath says that studies show that those who say they have no real friends at work have only a 1 in 12 chance of truly feeling engaged in their job. John Maxwell says that most people can trace their successes and failures to the relationships in their lives. 
When we look at friendship, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, I feel like every time I read this story, something new, a different angle can jump out to me, but it really exemplifies the power of friendship. If you look at life, and over my years of pastoring, you can see when certain people get around the right friends, their life just elevates. And when people get around the wrong friends, their life deteriorates. Like it sounds so simple to put it that way. But that's the power, that's the power of influence. It's the power of the people who have voices that speak into your life. The scripture I want to read today in Mark chapter number two, it's five verses that I would like to read. Mark chapter two, beginning to read at verse number one. Some days later, when Jesus came back to Capernaum, people heard that Jesus was back in town and many, everyone say many, many gathered at the house. So we're going to read a miracle about one guy, but it starts by saying there's many there. There, there are people in 2019 that will argue and debate. Is, is, the best, is the best option many people in a room? If you look around, it's summertime. You know, people will tell you that churches slump in summer or struggle in summer. We baptized over 100 last weekend. You look around. This is one of six services. There's, there's a lot of people here today, and I appreciate the fact in the middle of summer, in the middle of heat, in the middle of July, that you still are prioritizing the presence of God. That's a big deal. You, you see many people in the room. We'll have many people online, and some people will say, well, I think it's many. There are other people that almost get bent out of shape and they're like, no, big is bad and God wants the little where two or three are gathered together or one-on-one. -on -one. I want to challenge you today that it's both. It's not either or. There's amazing times you'll have in your car or truck with God one-on-one. -on -one. There's other times like last week when we're walking around the room and people are crying and praying and talking about church family that it's awesome when you're in a group. Don't, don't get caught up in these arguments about is it one or the other. It's both. It's both. I want to be part of both. And so there's many people in this house, and Jesus is teaching them. Verse number three, four men. Four men tried, notice that word tried, to bring a crippled friend to Jesus. But since the crowd prevented, notice that word, the crowd prevented their carrying him close enough to get Jesus' attention. They climbed up onto the roof, opened a hole in it, lowered the paralyzed man on his mat down to Jesus. Final verse, Jesus recognized the faith of these men. And Jesus said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. How many friends do you have? Some people will tell you after they look at their social media, I have 1,287 friends, Micah. Some people will look at a yearbook from high school or college and Pages filled up with, you know, love and belief and aspiration. They'll be like, look, I've got page after page after page of friends. 
like we're best friends forever. And then years later, I graduated in 1990. Years later, you're looking at those books and you're trying to remember like, who is this? Like, they say that if you die with five like real true friends, you're a success. Facebook, everyone apparently is your friend. And it's easy. You can friend, click. You can unfriend, click. Like see how easy that was? My friends are at a certain number right now. I've been for a few years where, where it's just funny because it caps off at a certain number, but almost every day, it'll dip like two down, dip three down. I'm like, well, that's three people that was mad on a Monday. Like, how did that even happen? I didn't even post anything. And then welcome a few more to the fold. And then on Tuesday, it'll dip down one or two. And I'm like, someone else is angry. Right, just friend, unfriend, friend, unfriend. I'm not talking about those kind of friends. Not talking about friends in your life that, that they are a connection, but very fringe. I want to talk to you in the next 20 or 30 minutes about real friends, true friends. Friends that, in a way, are the reason you're even here right now. Those kind of friends. When you look at this story, the first thing that, that really we're going to see as, as the center point of the story is that there is a lame man, he's crippled, he has a disability. That, that means that your ability becomes disabled. That's how I want you to view it. Your ability becomes disabled. You had an ability to laugh, you had an ability to bring joy, you had an ability to serve, you had an ability to light up a room, whatever your ability is, but it becomes disabled. And you have a disability. For this guy, he was able, if he could, to use his legs to walk. In verse 6, 7, 8, 9, you'll see that he's able to pick up his mat and walk. But in verse 1 through 5, that's disabled. He's not able to do that. I've met a lot of people that their ability has become disabled. Like you're crippled and you're not able to do all of the amazing things that God would love you to do, and if you were honest, you would love to do, but certain things has happened to disable you. I've met people with crippled emotions that when you were younger and that excitement, that vigor, that you would have such an upbeat spirit, but then came the death, or the divorce, or, and, and, and before you know it, emotionally. I, I, know you're not, I know you're not on a mat, but if the Holy Spirit was to shine His light on your heart, there's part of you that's become crippled because of that. I've met people that are crippled relationally. You never used to struggle with trust like you do now, but if someone tried to be your friend, you are so standoffish, right? Because once you get stabbed or hurt or you go through a broken relationship, you can become crippled relationally. I've met people who are crippled spiritually. Pastor Mike, if you knew 
two churches ago. Pastor Micah, you know all those guys on TV. Pastor Micah, you know, one guy back 10 years ago, he said, or, and you are still allowing those things to cripple you spiritually. Sin, sin definitely cripples people. Lust, greed, pride, envy. When you look in the Bible, sin means that you miss the mark. You miss the mark. In other words, the life you could have lived, you're not living because sin is messing with you. And you miss that mark. Sin cripples people. To transgress, it's another word in the Bible, transgression. Transgress means you step across the boundary or a limit that God set. In other words, God had a boundary for your life, but you stepped over that boundary. And you done certain things. You went certain places. You acted a certain way. You stepped over the line. And I've met people who are crippled because of sin. Crippled character. I think when you mess up, which, which we probably could all raise our hands and some of us both hands, to admit that, Mike, I've really done some things in life I regret. I've messed up. Then shame kicks in. And for a fact, shame cripples you. You walk with your head a little lower. Your confidence just, just, just a little less because shame has disabled your ability. When you look at this story, you're going to see a crippled man. And I think in our own way, we're all a little crippled. The good news is, that's the gospel. It means the good news. The good news is that crippled people can come to Christ. We... We talk to people and they'll say, well, I'm going to come when I get my life together. That's not what this story tells us. The guy doesn't like go to therapy. He doesn't like fix everything and then be like, okay, I want to go sit in the house and hear Jesus. No, he comes on a mat. That's the good news, that crippled people can come to Christ. You can come broken. You can come down. You can come when you don't feel like it. You can come when it seems like your life is so jacked up. Crippled people, are you glad that you were able to come to Jesus? Crippled people can come to Christ. When you look at the premise of this passage being that crippled people come to Christ, we sang the song earlier today. You loved me, not in my best condition. You loved me as you found me. And then some of you raised your hands, which if you're in the room or online and you're like, what does that mean? It really is just a sign of surrender. It's, it's a sign of us reaching out to God. Maybe you've never done that before. The Bible says, I would that people everywhere would lift up holy hands. It's just a sign of surrender. I can't fix my life. I'm not good enough on my own. I need him. And, and I watch some of you, even in that moment, your hands are raised and you're singing like, you love me as you find me. And then we all sang together, your love is too good to leave me here, right? Your love is too good to leave Micah on a mat. And I look around the room and I see all kinds of people that the love of God found you in a crippled condition, but it didn't leave you there.
It, 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 it got you back up again. It put ability back in your life. When you look at this story, it's implied that this guy couldn't get to God on his own. And it's going to tell us that four friends are going to carry him to Christ. Point number one is this, that true friends still care when you're crippled. This is not, this is not the social media association friend. It's not that friend. It's not the yearbook friend. This is the person that when you are crippled, when you're down, they are there. I talked to a pastor friend of mine the other day that had gone through a divorce years back. Talks about it being the darkest, lowest point of his life. Working at a church of thousands of people, goes through a divorce, and talked about how two people, without being invited, without being asked, they get on a plane, and they fly to where he's at, and they say, just so you know, we're here. Talking about that kind of a friend. A true friend will still care when you're crippled. These friends came to get him. We're not even told that this guy asked. We're just told that they come and they carry. And they carry, I want you to notice this, they carry because they care. Why, why do we carry crippled people? I had someone just yesterday sharing, Pastor Micah, I am free from an online addiction. 130 days. That's a big deal. Just yesterday, so excited. I'm free from this addiction, 130 days. Why would I get so excited about that yesterday? I was on cloud nine like, man, that's unbelievable. Why do people walk up and say, Pastor Micah, our marriage hasn't always been easy. We've been through some tough times. We just hit 10 years. Why, 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 would, why would that be so exciting? Why, why is it so uplifting when you hear about people that have gone through a tough time, a difficult time, but they're still in the game, they haven't quit, they haven't walked away? It's because you care. When you carry people, it's usually because on the inside of you, you legitimately care. And I wanna thank God today for all of the people in my life and in your life that has cared. When you lost a job, when your house burnt down, when your family was under fire, when you were struggling, they didn't walk out, they walked in. Thank God for people who care. <laughs> carriers play their part. In this story, the carriers never make it inside the house. We're never told in this story that the carriers got to shake hands with Jesus or get an autograph or, you know, take a selfie. We're never told any of that. We're just told that these guys put in the sweat equity of carrying a mat. They put in the sweat equity of, of, of surveying a crowded house, climbing on a roof, tearing a rooftop off, lowering down their friend. It sounds like a lot of work, right? 
These friends, when you look at this, the carriers matter to the miracle. I know the miracle is going to get all of the publicity, but I think it's really important that we celebrate the carriers today. Because someone this morning at 7 a.m., 6 a.m., they're setting up in Bucyrus. They're setting up in Mount Vernon. Someone here is setting up. They're putting out bicycle fencing and they're putting out pylons and they're setting up for kids check-in and they're making coffee and they're getting ready for people to come in. And, and I was here at about 8, 8.15, 8.30 and it's already cars everywhere of people that are getting ready for this service right now. And, and you may not know their name. You may not even know who they are, but we wouldn't have miracle moments if it wasn't for people that said, I'm willing to grab a corner of the cot and I'll do my part to carry someone to Jesus. These friends that carry this lame man, they need to be together. If I, if I was to have four of you join me on the stage and I was to lay on this mat and say, okay, take me somewhere. In this story, they take him to Jesus. And if the four of you start pulling in your own direction, like, I think we should go this way. And this guy is saying, well, in my opinion, and he starts pulling here, we're not going anywhere. So let's put story side on the map. You put story side on the mat. You put kids ministry on the mat. Put celebrate recovery on the mat. The importance of unity. The importance of alignment. Put your life group on the mat. Put your small group on the mat. If people start pulling every different direction, when they talk about sometimes, Pastor Micah, our church can't grow. Our church can't reach people. I don't want to super simplify this, but is everyone rowing in the same direction? Like, is everyone unified? Is everyone even together? Or is everyone like pulling a different way? Like, I think we should sing and I think we should go. Here's the thing. Unity is not in conformity. If we took a poll today, like, did we sing your three favorite songs? And someone's like, no, actually, I like So Will I, and they haven't sang that in three weeks. I'm keeping track. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, it's so easy for, for the miracle not to happen because we can't get four guys to get unified on what we're even trying to do. As a pastor, we have hundreds, I think we're six or 700 right now, dream team members across our four locations. And as, as the pastor, I just wanna say today that I'm so thankful for all of the times when people, maybe you didn't agree with everything, maybe you didn't understand everything, maybe you felt out of the loop, maybe you're like, why are they doing that? But you still picked up your corner of the cot and was like, even if I don't understand everything, I'm not gonna be the one that holds the miracle hostage. I'm not gonna hold back what God trying to do. Where are we going with this thing? Where can I carry a cot? I just want to thank you today for leaning into unity. When you look at them coming, you look at them carrying, you see that they are together. Everyone say together. I heard the joke about the two friends that are in an elevator 
and it stops. I know some of you, that's your greatest fear. I, one of my children, they don't even like elevators. They, they'd walk six or eight flights of steps first. They don't want to take the chance. These two friends, the joke is that they're trapped in an elevator and one friend's over crying in the corner. How many of you have that friend? The other friend is yelling, help, help. The one that's over in the corner crying suddenly has an idea and says, why don't we shout together? The friend begins to yell, together, together. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> That's bad, isn't it, Brittany? That's bad. Here's a key to the story in our final few minutes together. Here's a key to the story. I know some people who never get their miracle because they wouldn't let four people close enough. If four people tried to get close enough, like if I said right now, look at that friend that you said, you know, old and senile, look at your friend and tell him your greatest struggle right now. Some of you would be like, no way, I'm not doing that. I'm not telling people that I battle and fill in the blank. I'm not saying that. Because it's so it's one thing to read these five verses and be like, yes, we want miracles, we want freedom, we want better marriages, we want better parenting. We want, are you willing to let someone close enough to carry you? Like, like if, if a friend even wants to get over here and be like, can, 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 I, can I help you? Like, are you like pushing them away? Are you pushing them off? If, if a counselor... If a counselor was trying to get close enough to you, if a pastor was trying to be like, can I help? Can I, can I just give you a little bit of advice? I don't know if you should. So we need the carriers, but we need to be open to letting people close enough to see where we're crippled. Like I'm struggling, Micah. I've got some issues. I'm not everything that God has called me to be, and I want to be better. Do you have friends that are able to get close enough to you? When you look at this story, we also see true friends will help you try again. Can we say that together? True friends help you try again. This is one thing that I have found. You know, some of these lessons, I think you just have to maybe live life long enough and meet enough people. It's not like super deep. You just pastor long enough or have enough conversations to realize that when some people lose a spouse, when some people um, have, have a parent that, that dies, uh, when, when some people just, they go through a very, very tough time. I've met a lot of those, those people that life almost wants to make them just draw back and pull back and almost shut everyone else out. And in those moments, in those moments of saying, I don't know if I can even breathe, Micah. Like I, I, I go to a store, a restaurant, I see familiar people or places, and I just can't do it. I've also watched, I've also, I've also watched as True friends have gone back in your life and said, hey, do you want to go for coffee? No. You want to go for coffee? No. Do you want to go for coffee? No. Hey, do you want to go to a movie? No. Hey, do you, no, no. 
and that friend wouldn't give up on you, and I've watched even some of you in the room, whether it took months or for others, years, slowly but surely, you started getting back on your feet again because you had some real friends that just wouldn't quit on you. They just kept on reaching out and loving and help, and all of a sudden, life began to come back into your world. That's the friend I'm talking about here. True friends, true friends are going to help you try again. Helen Keller says this, I would rather walk with a friend in the dark than alone in the light. True friends try to get you closer to God. This is important, especially men, especially students. I just want to talk to you about true friends try to get you closer to God. Verse 3 says that four men tried. Their goal is to get their friend to God. Their goal is not to get them, well, Friday night, it's going to be awesome. Their goal is not, well, what happens, you know, in Vegas? stays. That's not their goal. Their goal is, I want to get you to God. Do you have friends that are trying to get you away from negative people or places and into the presence of God? Negative places can hurt you and I. I heard the joke about the guy who called 911 and the officer picked up and the voice on the other end said, officer, I broke my arm in three places. The officer said that you need to stop going to those places. <laughs> Henry Ford said this, my best friend, my best friend is the one who brings out the best in me. I love that, Junior. Who's your best friend? My best friend is the one who brings out the best. Who is that person, Dr. Abel, that brings out the best in you? Who's that person, Tanya, that when you're around them, they're just trying to pull out, like praying for your family and thinking about your kids and I'm excited about your new job. Like who is that person that pulls that? I'm not asking who the one at the gym is saying, hey, do you want to try this? Do you want to go there? I'm not asking about the one that's like, well, if I was married to him, I would leave him. If I was married, I'm not talking about that friend. I'm talking about the one that says, no, you can make it. You can do it. I've got to get you to God. It's not done. It's it's not over. Who is that friend in your life? As we get ready to pray, true friends, don't let the crowd control the outcome. True friends, don't let the crowd control the outcome. Verse 4 says, since the crowd prevented them. Since the crowd prevented them. In our society, in this generation, People often side with what's trending. There's a pressure to appease people. And the crowd will often control the next move. Like if we, if we don't like the bars and someone else doesn't like the bars and someone else doesn't like the bars and then all of a sudden there's a pressure to appease the crowd like we're all anti-bars. But real friends... Steve and Stephanie Barr, real friends, would be able to look at a crowd preventing them from getting their buddy, their pal, their friend to Jesus. And they'll be like, we're not leaving. And we're not quitting. And we're not throwing in the towel. We are going to get this guy to God. 
That's a real friend. A real friend can walk in when all of the world walks out. That is a real friend. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Do you got a friend that'll speak up for you? Do you got a friend that'll say, if people were saying, well, you know Cody Fisher and you know Cody and she said and five years ago, well, you know Cody's that one and two, do you have a friend that would be like, really? Because I don't think that about Cody. I think Cody's doing awesome. I love what God's doing in Nathan and Cody Fisher's life. I love what God's doing with their kids. I love how God's using, really? Because I don't see that in them. Do you have a friend? I feel the presence of God even saying it. Do you have someone that'll speak up when people say, why are you using all those students? Why are you using that one woman? Why are you, do you have someone who would speak up and say, well, let me tell you why, because I think God is doing something awesome in their life. Do you have a friend that doesn't always go with the crowd, but they will speak up and say something? True friends care when you're crippled and they celebrate when you succeed. You don't, you don't just want a friend. You don't just want a friend that is in your mat moment and not in your miracle moment. This is really important because if they're just in your map moment and you're like, well, I hate life, and they're like, well, I hate life too, and I don't like my family, well, neither do I, and no one cares. I put in all this work and effort and energy, and I'm not appreciated. Yeah, well, me, I, you don't want someone who can only relate to you when you're down. You don't just want a friend who's here when you're on the mat. You want the friend a couple of verses later that's looking down through a torn up roof, say, yes, touch him, Jesus. Get him off the mat, Jesus. Help him to walk again, Jesus. That when you get that promotion on your job, when you buy that house, when you get a car, when God does something great in your life, they're not like, oh, whatever. They're actually the one that's saying, I'm so proud of you. I love what's happening in your life. You wanna find a friend that's with you in both, the mat and the miracle. John Maxwell says this, the true test of relationships. Not only how loyal someone is when we fail, but how thrilled they are when we succeed. And finally, True friends share their faith. True friends share their faith. They tear a hole in the roof, and Jesus, as they lower this guy down, Jesus looks up, and the Bible says in the King James Version, when he saw their faith. Do you share your faith? Do you have those Pastor Matt moments where you're thinking, I'm gonna turn around to like this goth gal? Like, here it goes. His stories are amazing. He has way more than just that one. 
He like wrote letters to people and like stuck it in their lockers, like stop smoking this and stop going there. (laughs) He put letters in lockers and that wasn't a smashing success either, but thank, (laughs) thank God he was trying. I was laughing so hard this week. He was telling me, he's like, Paul wrote letters to people and I I thought I'll write letters to people. Okay. Do you share your faith? You say, Pastor Mike, it's so hard. It's so hard to tell my friend. It's so hard to tell my coworker. It's so hard to tell that. Do you share your faith? Who in your world right now, who in your life is on a mat? I've met millionaires on a mat. I'm not talking about are their bills paid. I'm talking about do they need Jesus? Do they need the love and peace of God? Who in your world is on the mat? That if you was to share your faith, you see, some of you are here right now. You're here right now because someone got up the courage. It might not have been in Spanish class. Like, if, uh, if you were the only one, I don't give a crap. What? Here's the reality. Some of you initially didn't give a crap. Your spouse was telling you, you're, you didn't give a crap. People kept, you're like, oh God, get off my case. But you're here today because someone shared their faith. And who else? Who else in your world needs you to share your faith with them? As we pray, maybe you're the one. Maybe you're the person that was carried here today. Someone invited. You're scrolling through Facebook. You thought it's random. You were going to look at like kittens and pictures and political posts. And all of a sudden you're like, who's this person talking from Belleville, Ohio? And maybe you're watching right now. I, I don't know if you're in the room or on Facebook Live, but, but here's the good news. You, you could have your mat and Jesus. Like right now, I feel his spirit even talking. Jesus And now we could have a miracle. Somebody could have a miracle in this prayer right now that you were crippled by sin, he's gonna forgive you. Crippled by shame, he's gonna begin to release and take that off of your life. Crippled emotionally or spiritually, and right now, you're gonna make a decision to let God close enough, God's word close enough. You're not gonna keep pushing it away. You're gonna let it close enough to touch your heart today. If you would, just close your eyes all over the room. I want to pray with you today. I'm thankful for real friends in life. I also want to remind all of us that the greatest friend, the friend that sticks closer than a brother, the friend that will never leave us or forsake us, the friend that you and I couldn't get away from his love, high, low, past, present, future, that friend is the greatest friend that we'll ever have, and his name is Jesus. Jesus. And if you're in the room, you're listening to this message today, You could ask this friend to come into your heart, into your life. 
to help get you off the mat, whatever it is that is disabling your ability, your life. He can restore. He can help you again. This is a moment that matters. And if you need help getting off the mat today, getting out of sin, out of shame, out of depression, out of discouragement, you would say, Pastor Micah, would you pray for me right now? I know that God has more for my life. I want you to raise a hand right now if you wouldn't. Just say, Pastor Micah, would you pray for me today? Thank you, sir. Thank you right over here. Thank you. Right here, thank you. Right here in the second row, thank you. Right here and back there, thank you. God, I pray for every person in this room. I pray for everyone watching. People that would say, you know what, I'm in sin. I've stepped over that boundary. I've stepped over that line. The Bible says we're born in sin. I pray for that person that needs a savior today. Pray that you would save them right now. The Bible says if we believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth, he will save us. And I'm asking you today, like right now, I'm asking you to save someone. Someone who is stuck, someone who feels like they're too far gone. There is no one that is outside the reach of God. Save someone today. Pull them out of sin. Pull them out of miry clay. Pull them out of darkness. Save them. For people that maybe it's not sin, but in other areas of life, loss and hurt and pain, the past, they have become disabled. They have become less than. They know it in their heart. I pray today that the greatest friend, Jesus Christ, would help someone get off the mat and find a miracle. Come on, greatest friend. The songwriter said, what a friend we have in Jesus. All, not some, not most, all of our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. And oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we don't let him close enough, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Come on, story side. Cast your cares on him today. Cast your cares on him today. I don't know the weights and burdens you came with, but give it to him today. Tell him, here it is, God. I have this crippled circumstance. I have this crippled condition. I need your help. Let him close enough today. Let that friend touch your heart. Let that friend touch your mind. Let the friend Jesus Christ, he's your savior, he's your Lord, but he also is that friend that sticks close. Let him close today. And I pray these prayers in the name of Jesus. Amen.